Welcome to the What If Cast with Christine and Justin, where we take a deep dive into what if theories that'll blow your mind. Christine, have you ever had a stuffed animal that you really thought was real? No. I had a ton of stuffed animals. Did I think they're real? No. I never was really attached to, I feel like, stuffed animals or a blanket, like in the way that most people are. But I did have a lot and I enjoyed like playing with them and and I used to have them on my bed and and make them fall on my bed. (laughs) Why do you ask? Well, because some people treat their stuffed animals and other things that they really care about as if they're really alive. And that's really special. I kind of wish I had, I wish I had a strong connection, like a lot of people do to a stuffed animal. Like I never understood Barbies, but I really loved like cars or things that could move or could come alive in some way, you know? So if I could actually make them come alive, I'd have a much stronger bond. That'd be awesome. Well, let's do it. Do you have any animals that, uh, or uh, stuffed animals or a blanket or something like from your past that you really had a strong connection to? Well, yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, I had plenty. But the thing is, I, I didn't ever think seriously that they were alive. I just, you care about them in a way that kids care about stuff. I do remember uh, my cousins had this bear that if you press the paw, you could speak into it and then it would replicate the noise. So it felt like you're actually giving it life. And I loved it so much and I still remember it. And I don't know why I love it so much, but I think it's because I'm like making it come to life. Like I'm really giving it some sort of personality. I don't know. Well, expand on that. What if you could actually do that? What if you had that, that bear that your cousin had and you could make it into a living animal? How? You decide that you want it to happen, I guess. I guess, yeah. I like the idea of holding the paw down, giving it vocal commands and it saying those vocal commands. But it would be cool if there was something I could do. Like maybe you have to give it a hug or something and then all of a sudden it starts talking to you. Like something that you give it life that could be really cute and nice. (laughs) Well, would it talk to you though? Oh yeah. If you're giving it life, isn't that the point? I mean, my dog's alive and she doesn't talk to me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So it could just become like a, if it's a stuffed bear, like a, a real little bear. I used to have a lot of stuffed animals and they used to be above my bed. Uh, and what I would do is it was in a hammock. And so I would jump on my bed and they would all come down onto the bed now imagine if they were real, like they wouldn't like that, right? They'd be falling to their, like, would they, get, I guess they wouldn't get hurt on the bed. Would they enjoy that? I don't know. <laughs> but wow, if we could make our, our stuffed animals come to life or just anything, that's insane. I, I brought up stuffed animals just as like a preliminary thing, but I, I think we're more talking about anything right now. Anything that is not currently animate, that is not currently alive. Yeah. And maybe it's because we're talking about soft nails, but I'm thinking of Play-Doh things. Yeah. That, like we build ourselves Legos, right? Well, like we have so much fun as, as children creating things. Uh, why do you think that is? I feel like when you're a kid, you don't really know how things work. 
And so you imagine how they would work. You can just build whatever you want. And in your, your mind, you can just pretend that it's a living thing talking to you and playing with you. When you're playing with your Play-Doh, you can make whatever kind of building or thing that you want. And it's real to you, even if it doesn't really make that much sense. Yeah, I like the idea of just thinking of what it could be. But I guess when you get older, you know about so much already that you already know how it is, right? So you don't have as much liberty with creating a little bit. But yeah, I'm also thinking about, and I think we mentioned this in another podcast, but that game Scribblenauts, <laughs> which is a, I is like my favorite game that you've shown me, and there aren't too many of those, so... <laughs> But I just think it's so cool. Like you just think of a word and then that word comes to life. Right. But I feel like coming to life in that sense is a little bit different because in that sense, you're creating something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And in, in this, or at least what I have in mind, you're taking something that exists, but is not a living thing and you're making it into a living thing. Right. Honestly, if you don't mind, I want to kind of go into that a little bit more. If you can imagine something inanimate becoming living, in what way do you think it would become living? Do you think that it would have mortality or do you think it would just be animate? It wouldn't age is my guess. Like it's kind of like you make a cartoon come to life and that cartoon is usually the same age. Yeah, I I wouldn't think it could die. (laughs) Why not though? Isn't death the end of life? If something's living, doesn't have to die? That's a valid point. That's what I'm trying to get at. What exactly are we imagining here? Okay, let's take a a stuffed animal bunny, right? I give it the little magic squeeze and it it comes to life. It's still the same fabric and everything, but it can move. It has feeling. It may or may not talk depending on what it is. If it's a bunny, it probably won't talk. I'm guessing if that's how we're discussing it and Yeah, I guess it maybe can die eventually. Maybe it starts off as whatever age it is, and then it just grows up. But also something with fabric without organs, how do you age? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like putting some some life into something that wouldn't be able to live already. So it doesn't have all those features that living beings have. It's a good point. I guess what we're talking about is just magic, really. Oh, yeah, for sure. So moving away from stuffed animals, if you could do that, if you could make something a living creature and it could be anything, what do you think you would realistically do with that? Well, first, I want to think too much of it and be like, okay, how how and can I do this? Right. So I would buy some Play-Doh for sure, because I just this sounds fun. It sounds like if I could just make a little doggy out of Play-Doh and then that doggy comes to life as a Play-Doh. Like I I just would want to see that happen. Right. And then I would make some friends for it and I'd make a family and then I'd have them hang out and I'd see how it goes. And then, yeah. What, what would I do with my life with this? Now that's a big question. Like, do I go to Walmart and go through the toy aisle? You know what I would do? I would bring stuffed animals to life for kids and give it and give these, these strange alive stuffed animals to people who would really enjoy them. Hopefully, hopefully it doesn't scare them. (laughs) I think it would because you'd have these creatures made out of non-living materials that are somehow animate and alive. Right. I'm getting some, some doll creepy house vibes. 
That's a good point too. What about something beyond stuffed animals and toys and children's playthings? Like an umbrella? You would want a living umbrella? Yeah, you can tell me when it's going to rain. How would it do that? Would it shudder? Yeah, it would it would start slowly opening up its flaps cuz um, umbrellas have flaps for sure. Way way better than the Mary Poppins umbrella, let me tell you. It can't be all objects, right? Like I can't make my my light bulbs come to life. I can't make my mugs come to life or can I? Is this like a car situation where like in the movie cars, all cars are alive and they can talk, right? We were talking about how if we make a stuffed animal come to life, it wouldn't talk, right? I'm now here here's another wild twist on this. Any object you may come to life, it not being living, right? And let's say it can't talk, it, it doesn't have eyes. What if we can make a cartoon-ish alive thing, kind of like Beauty and the Beast, how like all, like, you know, the, the candle is alive and that sort of thing. So you know how in Beauty and the Beast, the, the teapot comes to life, like they're, they're just, everything has eyes, right? So anything you choose to, to make kind of a cartoon living object, you can rub it like a lamp and it comes to life. It's got eyes, it can talk, it's got a mouth. All right, so... When you think of life, from what I'm gathering, you think of intelligence. You're thinking of human okay. being intelligence. That's what I'm gathering from this because all of your stuff has eyes. It has mouths. It doesn't feel pain and can't die, but it can talk to you. Right. That, that is what I was, I was thinking more of the cartoon. Yeah. All right. That, that's fun. Yeah. What would you do with that power? Well, if it's the way that you're describing it, I would obviously make my books tell me more succinctly what I was reading. I think that would really help my reading comprehension to be told by the pages what exactly was happening, or they could even read it for me if I didn't feel like flipping the pages. You know, babe, they do have Audible. You have to pay for Audible. (laughs) Yeah, I want the spark notes. I want you to just kind of summarize what's in this book. Give me the gist. That'd be nice. I would love to go through Barnes and Noble and go through the history aisle and go through the sociology, like all the aisles that would really make me smart just kind of go through it real slowly and each book tell me like a sentence or two about what I would get from it. Here are the bullet points. Yeah, but we have the internet. You would give an inanimate object life just so that it could tell you a sentence and you could move on? Now that's that's the other thing, right? Like we have to think about these inanimate objects and once they do become alive, what emotions do they have? Like, what are we doing, you know? We, not just thinking about ourselves, which I guess I was just before. What, what about these objects? Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to give my, my mug that's right next to me life, right? What, what does it feel? Well, it just, it just com- becomes alive, right? Well, I've used this mug probably twice in my life and it's just been in a cupboard for months. It's probably not too happy, right? And then I make it come to life does it start yelling at me? Probably. But that's, it's hard. Like when I'm thinking about bringing objects that aren't alive to life, it becomes very fictional for me. It becomes like I, I'm giving this object a story myself because it has no story, because it has no feeling. See, for me, it's the opposite. And I think I might've even maybe conveyed that a little bit in the way that I was asking you those questions. But to me, when I think of giving something life, I think about it in a more realistic sort of way, or at least a more grounded sort of way, in the sense that it has these characteristics of being alive. 
and yet it would still be the object. It wouldn't exactly have a mouth or eyes or the capacity to yell at me. And I think there's something very uncanny about that in a way. Like right here, I have my glasses. The thought of my glasses being alive, but they just sit there. They don't move. They don't respond. But I just, I have this idea that they are living now. That's sort of an uncanny feeling. I don't really know if I would really do that to too many things if that were the case. Yeah, it would be a sad existence. Well, it's not even that it's sad because like, does it have the, it's not that it has the capacity to feel sad necessarily is that I would feel very weird about that. I mean, it's no surprise to anybody that human beings can create life just in general. We can reproduce. Right. But that's not something that just everybody should just do willy nilly. There's responsibility to that, or at least I think there should be. I don't know if you know too much about plants, but I've heard if you play nice music or if you speak to them, like there is something within them that does respond to that. I, I have to fact check that. But it's it's very weird to me to like realize plants are living because they don't move or I can't really see them move. I can't see their growth. They don't have eyes. They are very stagnant to me. They, they feel like they're just part of, they are part of nature, but they're also living. Right. And they, they also actually respond to other plants. But to me, I don't respond to them in the way I do animals at all because I don't feel them as alive as I do animals. Scientists actually have a very specific way that they look at something and they can determine whether or not it's alive. And some of those things sort of make sense just from a general standpoint. If something has the capability to move on its own, that's one good indicator. If something can respond to some sort of stimulus, again, it's very basic, but even the most basic life forms do that. If you touch a rock, it's not going to respond. Right. You know, if something can reproduce, it is most likely alive. But it doesn't have to have feelings, or we probably don't even know to an extent about that. Well, think about it. Does a single-celled organism have feelings necessarily? I don't know. Probably not crazy feelings, but I have no idea. It might not have a brain. It might not have brain chemistry to have feelings, but yet it still lives, still exists. It reproduces itself. It moves around. It responds to stimuli. Okay, so let's say we gave a lamp life. What what makes it different if it still has the same composition? I think that's just determined by what we say, because like we said, this is just magic in general. We're just we're just hugging this thing. Apparently, <laughs> it now is alive. Yeah. So I think yours is a little less disconcerting, because looking at a lamp and just knowing that it was alive would be kind of creepy. But looking at a lamp and it's Lumiere from Beauty and the Beast is a little bit more fun, I guess. I don't know. I feel like that could be more creepy. If I know something is alive, but it can't harm me, it doesn't move, it has no ill intention, it still is what it is. For me, it's the same. But isn't it your natural inclination to preserve life? I don't know. I have this plant that's in front of me that has slowly died. Do I feel remorse for that plant? A little. I kind of feel bad that I don't have more remorse if I'm going to be honest. I just feel like it's tough <laughs> because if you have a fake plant that you know is made of plastic and it's just meant to decorate your house, it's just there. You don't really think any other way about it. But if you look at a plant and you know that it's alive 
and you know that if you neglect it for long enough, it will die. I feel like that triggers a different thing in your mind where you feel like you need to be doing something. You bought it. You brought it into your house out of its environment. You should be taking care of this living thing. If I had a lamp that was alive and I didn't know how to keep it alive, I feel like that would kind of mess with me. Mm-hmm. I'd feel bad. Maybe you have to like keep it plugged in only for half the day, kind of like how we are on for half the day and, and make sure you take the plug out so it can rest. Things like that. <laughs> I think I want to use this exact same point to sort of springboard, to sort of go deeper into it. You know that I, one of my favorite books of all time is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. And the whole plot of that story revolves around the fact that Dr. Victor Frankenstein, out of just pure scientific curiosity, creates life. It's a little different from what we're talking about because he uses actual human parts to do this. But he creates an organism and sort of in the same way that you're saying, the monster is not cartoony in any way, but he can talk and he can think and he can feel and he feels bad. Yeah. And the reason why he feels bad is because Victor Frankenstein neglects him immediately. Do you think if you could make something alive and it could talk to you and it could feel a particular way about you and the world, would it be your responsibility to take care of that thing? I think it would. I feel like I, if I gave something life, I, pr- I probably have a strong bond to it, giving it life. I think I would feel some sort of responsibility, I would hope. <laughs> yeah, but didn't you just say you'd go to Barnes and Noble and you'd make all the books alive and you'd have them read you all a sentence each and then you'd leave? Yeah, and now I feel kind of bad about that. I would hope that if I were to make them alive and like they were stuck there, that other people would talk to them going through the bookshelves. I think it's this sense of sort of duty to the things that you create that is a very real thing that a lot of, and I brought it up earlier, a lot of people have children, but some people don't take care of their children and have their reasons, but kids grow up and they, they always feel a particular way about that. And if you could make something alive and it was just an inanimate object that you didn't really know how to take care of, there'd be a lot of neglect going on, especially if everybody in the whole world could do that. Yeah. I want to go back to Barnes Noble because it's one of my favorite places. And the idea that if every single book in Barnes Noble all of a sudden became alive, I feel like it would be such a fun place where every single book, like they have their own thing about them that people have learned from them. They have the voice of whoever would be narrating the book, right? Or like what what this true voice would have that was the intention as written. I don't know. Just imagine all the books talking to one another, telling them about their own stories, learning from each other. And then imagine the, the knowledge you have in Barnes Noble with all the books talking to each other at once. It's like a party of knowledge. I mean, you're, I guess you're right. It is an interesting thing to think about. But what exactly is the personality of a book that is somehow alive? You said the narrator, but a book has no inherent narrator. Does the book have the personality of the the author? That's Does what I'm it... thinking. I guess because I read a lot of biographies, that was my first thought. And it's kind of like whatever biography the person is, is the person that's talking. But to your point, like you got regular fiction books that have lots of characters, but who is speaking? Is it a meld of all the characters? This is a topic that could go in a lot of different directions. <laughs> 
you've seen frozen right i feel like everybody has yeah i think a pure example is olaf right so elsa creates this snowman first they build the snowman which is kind of what we're talking about like we can do play-doh or something like that you can build the idea of the life you want and then you can bring the life to that inanimate object and it comes to life and the idea that they thought you know when they're probably creating the snowman is that it's going to be a happy fella and hey it was their intention in their head came to life i mean that sounds nice but at the same time if you the person who can do this can imbue this thing with emotions the ones that you chose i feel like that immediately as a, as a lot of ways it can go bad because it's like hey i don't want anybody coming in my house i'm going to take this big statue and i'm going to make it incredibly loyal and angry and i'm just going to put it out to guard my house guard goyles get it i do yeah it could, it could be crazy what would you i know you have the david in your room <laughs> yeah for anybody who wanted a little piece of trivia uh my great aunt before she died gave me her miniature copy of michelangelo's david would you make the david come to life probably not i would why what could you possibly gain from that he could talk to me tell me lullabies go into sleep <laughs> i'd be like put on some clothes he's like no <laughs> So let me get this straight. You would make the David alive just so that you could ask it to put on clothes and it would tell you no, even though you gave it emotions, you would give it the emotion to defy you. All right. So let's say we go to a museum with lots of statues. So the Ben Stiller movie, Night at the Museum. Oh my God. Yes. I didn't even think about that, but absolutely. And I, I love that movie because I love the idea of everything coming to life at night and then it goes back to being a statue that's actually precisely what we're talking about pretty if much you really think about it anybody that knows that movie it sort of answers a lot of these questions that we're asking because you have a, a wax statue of teddy roosevelt and when he gets injured he's just wax he acknowledges that he's wax and we also have things like um you dumb dumb give me gum gum like something that's not really from history or is it what, what is that that rock statue that just yells that phrase? That's an Easter Island head. Okay, so it does have backstory. Yeah, the, the stone heads from Easter Island are famous. Yeah, but I guess you wouldn't think it to talk as much as, obviously, Teddy Roosevelt and, you know, people from the past would talk. I feel like it would talk more than some of the stuff we brought up because it has eyes, a nose, and a mouth. The things that you want to give to all of these objects once you bring them to life. Right. But I, I guess what I'm saying is maybe then in the Smithsonian Museum, there's nothing that's truly inanimate that they bring to life in the sense that they don't have eyes. Not the biggest fan of those movies. They're fun for what they are. I mean, it's a very cool power to have bringing inanimate objects to life. For me, it makes more sense to bring things to life that I could see living in my head. A, a stuffed animal versus a lamp because I could almost see life within it. What's cool about the Smithsonian movie though is we love magic, obviously. Um, and I know so many people do. And it's because it's, it's bringing more to life than life exists. I feel like that's something cool about humans and the way we think. We can see something that's not there. We can make something more special or bring meaning to something. 
And I feel like when we create life out of something that's not living, we kind of create more meaning to it too. And I think that's pretty cool. I agree with you to a point. I feel like if you were to give something life that wasn't living before, it has definitely the potential to have more meaning. Before that, it's really just a tool if you really think about it. But I think you would have to work with it. You'd ha- you would have to be there. You'd have to guide it, whatever it was that you brought to life for it to actually have meaning. Mm-hmm. Like Frankenstein? Yeah, exactly. Because mm-hmm. you, you have to think about it for people that know that story. The monster didn't really want to hurt anybody. It just wanted some companionship. Because it didn't have that, it eventually became angry and violent. Mm-hmm. I think there are two ways you can look at creating something or bringing it life. You can look at it as you're raising it, kind of like Frankenstein, where they have they have feeling and they and intelligence, but it's going to be br- built in over time, and you're going to nurture this new living creature. Versus, you could also kind of look at it in the more fictional sense, where you can give something life. So you kind of give it that kind of cartoon life and it, it has already developed feelings and uh, it's your friend. And it's like, you build a story for what you're bringing to life because that's what it's going to be. Yeah. I definitely think that there's a lot of ways that you could have fun with it, Mm -hmm. but I'd say this both in the hypothetical and in real life, if you're going to be taking care of a living thing, you got to be committed. Plant owners, take care of your plants. Don't let them die. Pet owners, feed your pets. Walk them. They're not decorations in your house. They are living things that you have chosen to take care of. Mm-hmm. Don't just pat them on the head every once in a while and go to sleep. Yeah. And parents, take care of your kids. Unlike these, these things that we're coming up with where you decide their personalities and their futures, you can't do that for your kids. I, I, I feel we have a, a dual mindset to this topic where I'm kind of like, oh, it's coming to life. Like we're just kind of creating a story, but you're really looking at it in the real sense that, hey, you you just brought something to life. You're you're dealing with that. Like you like we're you're really like we're feeling like, oh, you've birthed something. <laughs> Which in a sense, yes. The moral of Frankenstein is that you really shouldn't make something a living being, and then neglect it. This is deep, bro. It is. So what if we can create life? Well, there's a lot of power to that. Yeah, but it could still be fun. And it should be. I think it should be. Mm-hmm. I like to think of this in the sense of Scrubblenauts or some sort of video game where you're bringing things to life, but like it's just for the game. And it's like, oh, let me bring my lamb to life and like talk to him. Like, hey, how do you like let me to turn you on? Wait, no, that's not... That's not what I meant. (laughs) Well, guys, think about your own lives going forth from this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Also, just thinking about the things in your life, living or not living, and what they mean to you. And yeah, you probably can't give them a life, but they probably have some meaning and you have some attachment. And why is that? Like, why is that attachment exist? You know, it does mean that you have some sort of belonging to it. And if you like this episode, go ahead and check out some of our other ones. We have a lot of cool topics and a lot of episodes. You might enjoy some of them if you haven't heard them already. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thanks, guys, for listening. This is the What If Cast. Christine and Justin, see you next week. See you then. Bye.